Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 13th of December. India's COVID tally breached the 98.5 lakh or 9.85 million mark this morning with an addition of a little over 30,000 new COVID cases. Total recoveries surged past 93.5 lakh, taking the national recovery rate to over 94%. Under 400 fresh fatalities were recorded in the last 24 hours. The central government has laid down new standard operating procedures or SOPs for COVID vaccination drives in the country, which will happen in the coming year. The government document that explores the best ways to vaccinate citizens said that only 100 people will be vaccinated per session. If logistics allow, this could be increased to 200 per session. The government document also said that the vaccination process will be conducted in a way similar to the electoral process and that state and union territories could fix the days for vaccination. The Kerala Chief Minister Pinaray Vijayan, meanwhile, said that the COVID vaccine would be made available to the entire population of Kerala free of cost. Vijayan told reporters, and I quote, No one will be charged for the vaccine. This is the stand of the government. Unquote. Kerala became the third state to make such an announcement after Tamil Nadu and Madhya Pradesh. The farmers' protest is our story of the week on Daily Dose. The protest on the borders of Delhi has entered its third week now. Security has been beefed up at Delhi's border with Haryana as farmers plan to block the Jaipur National Highway 8, which passes through Gurgaon. We'll come back to the story later during this episode. Moving on, Republic TV's Chief Executive Officer or CEO Vikas Kanchandani was arrested by the Mumbai police today in relation to the alleged TRP scam case. Kanchandani is the 13th person to be arrested in the case. The arrest came a week after the Supreme Court rejected a plea by Republic TV's parent company that was seeking protection for the channel's employees. Republic TV said it will approach the holiday court in the matter and senior advocate KK Manan demanded that the courts take sole motor cognizance of the arrest. Meanwhile, Republic TV's editor-in-chief Arnab Goswami asked why the Mumbai police made the arrest if the matter falls under the jurisdiction of the Telecom Regulatory Authority of India. The alleged TRP scam came to light in October this year when an FIR was filed by the Broadcast Audience Research Council through Hansa Research Group, alleging that some channels were manipulating the television ratings. Talking about manipulating viewership, government records themselves show that Z News and Republic gamed the system to exploit Doordarshan's DTH service without paying a dime to Prasar Bharti. To know more about this, do read Ayush's latest report titled How Republic TV and Z Group Illegally Reached Millions of Viewers. You'll find the report on our website, newslaundry.com. No political party could achieve a clear majority of 21 or more seats in the final phase of the Bodoland Territorial Council elections yesterday. The Bodoland People's Front, or BPF, which governed the council for nearly 17 years, won 17 seats. This figure is three less than its tally in the 2015 elections. Meanwhile, avenues opened up for the BJP this time, which won in nine constituencies. The party had only bagged one seat in the last election. The Congress, performing poorly this time, only won in a single constituency. There was one party, however, that became the kingmaker during this election. The United People's Party Liberal, or UPPL, led by former student leader Pramod Boro, bagged a total of 12 seats. UPPL was extended support by the BGP and the coalition has crossed the majority mark. Assam Chief Minister Sarbananda Sonowal announced today that a coalition government of the BJP and the UPPL would be formed in the Bodoland Territorial Council with Pramod Boro as the new chief. 
The Boroland Territorial Council is an autonomous body governing the Boroland Territorial Region, an area in Assam populated by the Bodo tribe. Members of the tribe, which is the majority tribe in the scheduled tribes of Assam, have long demanded a separate state. This demand had also led to militant insurgencies in the region. Three accords have been signed between the state, centre and the Bodo groups in 1993, 2003 and 2020 to bring peace in the region. One person and three minors were arrested yesterday by the Haridwar police in connection with the death of an RTI activist in Uttarakhand. 46-year-old Pankaj Lamba, who was also a government contractor, had died on December 4th from a bullet injury at a party. After his death, his family members had alleged that he had been murdered and it was made to look like a case of accidental firing. All four accused were named in the FIR based on a complaint by Lamba's wife. They have been booked for murder and common intention. Lamba had played a pivotal role in uncovering a multi-crore SCST scholarship distribution scam in Uttarakhand in 2013. Coming back to our story of the week. Unlike what a major section of our national media would have you thinking, the farmer protests in our country began soon after the three contentious farm laws were bulldozed through the parliament by the central government on the 27th of September this year. In fact, the parliament itself was engulfed in protests by members of the opposition who had accused the deputy chairman, Harivan Singh, of helping the government rush through the farm bills in the Rajya Sabha without following a democratic process. This was because Harivan Singh had rejected their calls for sending the bills to a select committee for review or even to extend the discussion till the next week. Rajya Sabha TV had even gone on to mute the audio while the opposition parties were protesting and shouting slogans against the farm bills. The main grievance of the MPs was that the bills were passed with a voice vote after the chair rejected opposition calls for physical voting and a division of votes. The Rajya Sabha deputy chairperson had said that he did not allow a division of votes while passing the bills because leaders were not seated when they asked for it. TMC MP Derek O'Brien on the same day had accused the government of murdering the parliamentary system via a video shared on his Twitter handle. O'Brien had said that the government did not allow the opposition on the farmers' bills. He said that they knew they were not in a position to pass the bills, so they cut the Rajya Sabha TV feed so that the country could not see the opposition MPs protest. Next came the Shiromani Akali Dal, the oldest ally of the Bharatiya Janata Party-led National Democratic Alliance or the NDA, parting ways with the BJP on the issue of the farm bills. The Shiromani Akali Dal had asked the central government not to bring in the bills in the parliament till all reservations expressed by the farmers were duly addressed. But when the centre did not listen, the Akali Dal asked it to send these farm bills to a select committee which was also not accepted by the centre. After that, Harsimrit Kaur Badal resigned from the union cabinet in protest against the bills. Calling the bills lethal and disastrous for its key voter base of farmers, the Akali Dal chief Sukhbir Singh Badal had said, and I quote, the highest decision-making body of the Shiromani Akali Dal core committee at its emergency meeting here tonight decided unanimously to pull out of the BJP-led NDA alliance, unquote. Soon after the acts were introduced, farmers' unions, mainly in Punjab and Haryana, began holding local protests. This involved blocking railway lines in the state of Punjab. The railways had suspended train services to the state after all farmers began their rail roco agitation on 1st of October. It was only on the 23rd of November that members of 30 farmers' outfits decided to lift the rail blockade after nearly two months of their protest against the centre's new laws. This came after a lot of confusion because the railway ministry claimed that the blockade was not over while the farmer unions claimed it was. 
Then, after nearly two months of protests, when the centre showed no signs of budging, the farmers decided to take things up a notch. They began a movement called the Lichalo, which saw tens of thousands of farmers marching towards the country's capital. We all saw how the police and the law enforcement use water cannons and tear gas to prevent the farmers from entering Delhi. On 26th of November, a nationwide general strike, which involved approximately 250 million people, took place in support of the farmers. By the end of last month, multiple news reports estimated that between 200,000 to 300,000 farmers had gathered at various border points on the way to Delhi. Over 500 farmer unions are protesting, transport unions representing over 14 million truckers, bus drivers and taxi drivers have also come out in support of the farmers, threatening to halt movement of supplies in certain states. After multiple discussions between the farmer representatives and the central government failed, the farmers announced another nationwide strike on the 8th of December. On the eve of the strike, Home Minister Amit Shah decided to take things into his own hands and called for a meeting with the agitating farmers. That meeting too ended in a stalemate situation. Each time that the talks failed, it was on the same issue. While the centre kept offering to amend the laws, the farmers held their ground and asked for the three laws to be scrapped completely. Today, as the Delhi police stepped up security at Delhi's border with Haryana with the farmers planning to block the Jaipur National Highway, which passes through Gurgaon, Union Minister Narendra Singh Tomar and Som Prakash met Home Minister Amit Shah yet again. Farmer union leaders had reiterated yesterday that they were ready to hold talks with the government, provided that they discussed repealing the three new farm laws before anything else. Amidst all this, like we have seen in protests before, be it the students' protests or the anti-CAA protests, allegations were raised about how farmer protests were being hijacked by anti-national elements. In this case, it was supposedly mainly the Khalistanis. A section of the media, as per usual, lapped up this claim. It came to a point where farmers, who had earlier been accusing the national media of ignoring their protests, actually stopped reporters from channels like Z News, Republic TV and Archtak from covering their protests. Calling them Godi Media, the farmers accused these channels of delegitimizing their entire protest. Meanwhile, India Today decided to soften its approach. Instead of going all out and calling the protests anti-national, on 4th of December, the India Today website carried a ground report on how the contentious farm laws passed by the Modi government had benefited farmers in favourable market conditions. The report titled, How New Farm Laws Can Benefit Growers in a Friendly Market, did not have a reporter's byline. Instead, it was attributed to the India Today Bureau. The farmers quoted in the India Today report claimed that the new farm laws had given them greater autonomy and profit margins. Now the problem here is, and it is a big one, is that India Today did not find these farmers on the ground as it had claimed. They were handed over to the channel by the Modi government. How? On December 3rd, a day before its report was published on the website, several journalists across mainstream media had received on WhatsApp a list of farmers and their success stories from the office of Prakash Jaurekar, who is the head of the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting and the Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change. The material was sent in both English and Hindi in PDF and document formats. Three journalists who received the material confirmed to News Laundry that it was sent via WhatsApp by S. Satinarayan, the media advisor to Prakash Jaurikar. For more on this, do read my colleague Ayush's report titled, Guess Who Was India Today's Source for Success Stories of Farm Laws? Prakash Jaurikar. Dear listeners, if you've been following News Laundry, you would know that we have been diligently covering the farmers' protests since the day they reached the Delhi borders. Our reporters Nidhi and Basant have been visiting the protest sites day in and day out, bringing you ground reports based on their conversations with the agitating farmers. 
Do check out their reports on our website newslaundry.com. Apart from the both of them, award-winning journalist Anumeha Yadav also recently wrote a detailed ground report for us on the protests. It is titled Why Landless and Marginal Farmers Are the Backbone of the Farmers' Protests. Also, do not forget to check out Meghnad's video report from the Singhu border. And before I move on to the next news story, here is a small request for you. After you're done listening to this podcast, please do spare a few minutes to check out our website and all the ground reports we have been publishing. Give them a read and if you think we are doing a good job, please do consider subscribing to News Laundry. I'm asking you this because we are 100% free of advertisements, meaning we only count on people like you who understand the importance of keeping news independent to support us and to help us stay afloat. So go to our website and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. A monthly subscription costs as low as 300 rupees only. Dear listeners, apologies for the fall in audio quality. We experienced some technical errors while recording, so please do bear with us. We will avoid such issues in the future. And now for some news from the world of arts and culture. Eminent contemporary Hindi poet and literary journalist Manglesh Dabral passed away on Wednesday at Ames, Delhi, where he was undergoing treatment for COVID-19. 72-year-old Dabral was a Sahitya Academy Award laureate. Apart from being published in multiple Indian languages, his poetic works have also been translated into German, Russian, Dutch, Spanish, Polish, and Bulgarian. He often spoke against the country's growing intolerance and was a vocal critic of the current establishment. As a young journalist from Uttarakhand's Tehri Garwal, Dabral had worked in newspapers like Hindi Patriot, Pratipaksh, and Aspas in Delhi. He then went on to become the editor of Purva Grah in Bhopal. Isi Delhi mein rehte hue Manglesh ji ko yaad karna hoga kisi din ye baat kabhi zehen mein aayi nahi thi. Galti se bhi. Manglesh Dabral bahar se jo bhi the, bhitar se ekdam rui ke phaha the. Ve krantikari nahi the. Ve kavi the aur kavita ko poochna jante the. Unhe gaate hue sunna unke vyaktitva se juda sabse sukhad anubhav tha. These are a few lines from the Hindi obituary in memory of Manglesh Dabral written by Abhishek Srivastava on newslaundry.com. To read the full account of the writer's memories with the late poet and an appreciation of his life's works, do go to Newslaundry's Hindi section and read the obituary titled Shayad Wahai Kadmi Tha, Apne Hi Tarike Se Larta Hua. Contemporary Indian dancer Astad Debu passed away in his Mumbai home on Thursday at the age of 73 years. Debu had suffered a brief illness before his demise. He was known for artfully combining Kathak and Kathakali into a uniquely contemporary dance form. Born in Navsari town of Gujarat in 1947, Debu had a successful dance career spanning nearly half a century. He had performed in over 70 countries including solo group performances and collaborations with various artists. Debu was known for pioneering a language of dance that was modern and Indian in equal parts. He was also known for his philanthropy and he worked with deaf children both in India and abroad for about 20 years. He also founded a dance foundation to provide dance training to marginalized sections of the society including the differently abled. And finally some international updates on COVID-19. Coronavirus has infected over 71.6 million people around the world out of which 1.6 million have died. Citizens of the United States will start receiving the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine from Monday after it was authorized for emergency use. The first 3 million doses of the vaccine will be shipped across all states this weekend. The vaccine which offers up to 95% protection against COVID-19 was deemed safe by the Food and Drug Administration of the United States. 
Pfizer said that the doses will be distributed by the U.S. Department of Defense in partnership with agencies within the Department of Health and Human Services to government-designated facilities across the country. On Saturday, the U.S. recorded a daily toll of 3,309 COVID-related deaths. The figure reported by the Johns Hopkins University website is the highest total in a single day anywhere in the world. Germany has decided to close its schools and shops have asked workers to work from home from 16th of December. Reuters reported that in a draft proposal, the German government is planning to close shops and schools for nearly a month from 16th of December to 10th of January and has asked workers to work from home for the same period. Turkey has added more than 800,000 cases to its national total after the government decided to include all positive cases rather than those just requiring hospitalization. Meanwhile, Italy on Saturday became the country with the highest official number of COVID deaths in Europe. With its new total of 64,036 deaths, the country overtook the United Kingdom's toll of 64,026 deaths. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.